Praise God. Luke chapter 18, verse number 23. Excuse me, verse number 18. We're going to read to verse number 23. It says, A ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Luke chapter 18, verse number 18. A ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except for God alone. Verse number 20. It says, Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, and do not kill, and do not steal, and do not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother. Verse number 21. And he said, All these things have I kept from my youth up. Everybody say, from my youth up. He was a young person. So now when, these, now when Jesus heard these things, he said unto them, Yet lackest thou one thing, sell all that thou hast, and distribute unto the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And it says, And come and follow me. And when he heard this, he was very sorrowful. The Bible says, because he was very rich. I want to speak to you today with a title that God has put on my heart. The displaced dimension. The displaced dimension. Could you pray with me one more time? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your anointing. God, let it settle in the house. God, let it touch us. Let it draw us. God, I pray that you would, God, open every corridor of every heart, of every avenue. Lord God, that you would reveal, Lord, to us, God, the secret places of our hearts. God, that you would settle in those places, God, that you would take up residence. God, that we would leave, Lord, having been in your presence, God, and having, Lord, fellowshiped at your table. Oh, God. Oh, God. Visit us today. God, we pray. Let a holy presence of God just settle amongst us. In Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. I'm going to have our guys. They're going to bring up a little prop for me. You may be seated. You remember the plastic action figures that became so popular decades ago. I'm aging myself when I say this, but I remember a classic action figure. His name was G.I. All right. G.I. Joe's a cool dude. G.I. Joe, it was a term, this action figure term became very famous and it was coined by Hasbro in 1964. They marketed G.I. Joe as a toy for boys. Competitors, this, this one didn't take off so, so much, but competitors call, called them uh, boys or t dolls for boys. Now, I didn't ascribe to that, but action figures. Everybody say action figures. Anybody play with any action figures? Amen. Some honest individuals. Action figures. We, 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 we see, and I remember that, that this became a big part of, of my childhood, and my parents had bought me all kinds of these, and I demanded and asked that they would do so. But G.I. Joe was famous for saying, knowing is half the... Come on, somebody. You guys know what I'm talking about. Knowing is half the battle. Then we remember people like He-Man. Anybody remember He-Man? Skeletor, his arch rival. Superman, Batman, and Barbies. How many boys play with Barbies? No, don't put up your hand. I was, uh, I played with Barbies, but I had a very specific intention when I played with Barbies. It was to cut their hair off. 
I had given many, I had four sisters, and I had given uh, many of their Barbies haircuts. They went from having long, beautiful blonde hair to having very short brush cuts, and for which I got in a lot of trouble because I was the youngest of seven children, and I somehow got off course, and my sisters let me know that when I played with their Barbies. Did any girls play with Barbies here? Shout, amen. Amen. All right, Barbies. Wow. But these plastic figurines, they, 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 were, they, were, they, were, they were fun to play with because they, they brought fiction and they brought the character to life. You could play with them for hours. And anybody just remember playing with a WWF set kind of like this one? Anybody remember that? You could play for hours and you could kind of pretend you were up on the top ropes and they would get the big jump. Ah, and just, I mean, your imagination could wander for, for hours and you would play. I, I played with He-Man and my He-Man was pretty cool because he put like this kind of uh, uh, explosive in his back and this, these little um, say, uh, uh, snapping sounds would happen when you pull his back. It would snap and it would let all, all kinds of smoke and that was really cool to me. And my mom, you know, she spent lots of money on that. But I, I remember playing with He-Man. I remember playing with, with figurines with my brother and, and these action figures became a big part of our life. The cool thing about plastic superheroes, and I'm not sure if Ken, Barbie's handsome hunk, really would be considered a superhero. No, I don't think so. But a barrier, perhaps somehow, that, that maybe some would consider Ken a superhero, because he did drive a really fast car. But the cool thing is that your imagination could, could wander for hours, and I would take little pieces of, of, of Kraft Dinner. Anybody know what Kraft Dinner is? That's a gourmet meal when you're a young person. Hello, somebody. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. So I would take little pieces of craft dinner and I would pack them in little pieces of tin foil, and that would become my action figure's lunch. And we would kind of make these blanket forts. Anybody know what blanket forts are? I make blanket forts with my kids. They're always asking me for a blanket fort, but we would go in the blanket fort when I would pack them lunch and the figurines would play, and it was, a, it was a really fun thing to do. Your imagination would just run wild. And sometimes I would, you know, maybe, maybe just have a little break and have some craft dinner myself along with the uh, action figures. But you could make all kinds of plots, and you could kind of always uh, win in your imagination. There was no losing. Did you ever play with somebody, and they tried to go against your rules? Come on, anybody, anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, you made the rules, and if you had that brother that did something against the rules, you get awfully mad about it. Come on, I need a witness in the house. Somebody ought to run an aisle here. So I, I can remember in making up the rules, and my brother would have his rules, and he would try to pin me, and I, I'd say, no, I won. And they would get pretty vocal, and tears would flow, and a parent would have to step in. And, and the, the, the reality is, is that you made your own reality. You made your own reality. You made your own rules. You could, you could somehow plummet the plots of the bad guy. And on a daily basis when you played, we always understand the good guy always Sometimes I look at little kids, and maybe you do too, and, and I look in their eyes, and I can see quite, quite obviously that they are still trapped in that world. Anybody know any kids like that? They're like walking around, and they're doing all kinds of weird things, and you know, acting weird, and they're making weird movements, because they're living in a different world. 
They're living in a different world. They're ready at any moment that a monster's going to jump out. And, you know, their imagination is big. But imagination is good. Psychologists would agree that the world of imagination is wonderful and critical for early childhood development. Say, praise the Lord. But the reality is, is that all of this imagination really does not transfer well into adulting. Somebody say, amen. We see now in, in the news and in the media that there are people that are diverting back to their childhood. They are grown adults that they are finding themselves wanting to go back to daycare. And some people have allowed this kind of nonsense, but sitting in cribs and playing with toys somehow to reconnect with their childhood because maybe the childhood wasn't so wonderful after all. But it doesn't very go very well when we try to act like children in our adulthood. At some point, we must lay aside the toys, retire them to a box, only to fondly reminisce upon the occasional reoccurrence while digging through your parents' closets. They are the things that we stop and we pleasantly ponder when we walk by an old toy that we used to play with. I don't know who owns these toys. They could be Pastor Matt's toys. I don't know who owns them. I know he had toys like this because I can remember visiting his house years ago and he had all kinds of this. Don't be mistaken. This guy is a toy fanatic at heart. It's the truth. But I, I visit lots of kids and you know, over my time and I, every kid has their, their closet full of toys and it's a hard thing to depart with your toys. Does anybody any kind of want to just kind of admit that you kind of have some toys that are untouchable that you still haven't parted with them yet? Is there any hands that go up today? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that one, you know, over the years, the toys kind of dwindle, but there's that one toy. Come on, there's just that one toy that you have that you're not going to ever depart with it. I mean, you're going to be clinching it when you're laid down in your casket. It's your toy. It's your toy. I mean, you're not going to even give it to your own kids. That's my toy. Get off of that. Right? I mean, that, that's, that's reality because there's a little bit of our childhood that's locked inside of us, and I think that's good. But the reality is there is a time that we must depart with the toys. Sometimes in some place we have to come to the point where we lay them down, that we retire them. But I want to turn our attention this evening to a, a reality of our generation. That there is an increasing trend in our generation. I'm about to pivot on you here tonight that the digital age that we are living in that we have been indulging in this delusion and of a virtual reality that that I would say that has robbed the minds of a generation come on I need a witness in here a generation perhaps that is indulging in a virtual reality adults even teenagers yet still that their minds are lost in a false reality this false reality this digital dimension has birthed a dark and deceptive and dangerous ditch whereby many have displaced their personal devotion i'm going to say it again many have displaced their personal devotion we effectively are the meme generation anybody love memes anybody make memes anybody making a meme right now Laughter is good for the soul. I, yes, I agree. But there are some things that aren't a laughing matter. Somebody say amen. amen. You've likely seen the thumbs up plastic Jesus. Where is he? 
Anybody recognize him? That's a joke if you guys don't. Anybody get it? Like, need an ark? I know a guy. Drum roll, somebody. But the reality is, the reality is, is this today, that we are perhaps associated with the meme generation. It seems like there is a meme for everything, is there not? I mean, sometimes I'm thinking in memes. I'm watching somebody and I'm creating a meme as they're walking by. Anybody know what I'm saying? Hallelujah. We'll talk after church. We'll go into business. But the meme generation, it's funny. It's laughable. How many people have shared a meme lately? Come on. Now, how many share one today? Come on. The memes are hilarious. We, we enjoy them. But we, we, we must realize that, that we cannot become so frivolous that everything is a joke. Mm, come on. I need some help in here today. We must come to the place where we realize that not everything is a joke. It is true what I tell you today that as much as it is laughable, as much as it is perhaps there's some fiction and some fun in all of this, there's a stark reality that we must draw our attention to that we run the risk of a generation displacing its devotion. I don't need to go any further down this road to make my point, but increasingly young people have lost what it is to have an authentic relationship with God. We have forsaken perhaps what is real for what is virtual and perhaps what is fake and what is cheap and what is plastic. What is plastic? I rise today to tell the students of this fall youth retreat in the middle of a pandemic that's going on that Jesus doesn't smile at everything. That Jesus doesn't give a thumbs up to everything. We live in a generation where people would like to assume or ascertain the idea that Jesus thumbs up everything. That he's smiling at everything in this generation. But I'll rise to tell you that Jesus is not smiling at everything in this generation. I'm not advocating that we do not have any fun, but I am advocating today that we must understand the difference between something that is spiritual and something that is digital, something that is heavenly and something that is temporal. Come on, somebody. We must understand. We must understand. We must understand this tragedy that, that, that we are experiencing. It is a tragedy of this generation. The temptation has been there not just for this generation, but for every generation to forfeit what is eternal and to give up and to turn aside from what is heavenly or what is, what is eternal or, excuse me, what is temporal for what is eternal. This word displace means to remove from the usual or proper place. Displace. Everybody say displace. To move from its proper place place to move physically out of position I'm not talking about misplaced I'm talking about displaced somebody shout at me displaced I'm not talking about misplaced to be misplaced is to feel uncomfortable many of us have gone into places where we felt misplaced we've gone into classrooms but because we are different perhaps because we are apostolic we have felt misplaced we have felt disoriented a little bit we have felt lonely a little bit I'm not talking about being misplaced I'm talking about being displaced I'm talking about losing something that we had displaced 
displaced. To be displaced refers to something that is forced out. Something that has took taken its place or we might say a substitute i am concerned that the supernatural dimension has become displaced in our youth groups i'm concerned that the supernatural dimension has been gone in our churches that we have settled for something less than what god has for the church oh man i need some help in here today i wonder if anybody believes what i'm saying Come on, we need to get back to the dimension of the supernatural. We need to get back to that. Concerned about that. Forced out, moved out, substituted. I thank God for everything we have. We need to do it as wonderful as we can. I don't know, Pastor Matt, if you did that video. That was an awesome video. That was incredible. We need to have all kinds of things like that that stimulate the minds of this generation. But we cannot. Everybody say we cannot. We cannot forfeit the spiritual at the altar. Come on, somebody. We cannot for I need, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in here. We cannot forfeit the supernatural for the natural. We need a move of God. It'd be all right if you stood to your feet right now and you gave God praise. We need the supernatural. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody, shout hallelujah. Come on, shout hallelujah. One more time, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why don't you give the Lord praise as you're seated. If you feel the Holy Ghost moving upon you while I'm preaching, I give you permission to stand and praise God. I give you permission to shout to the top of your lungs. I know you can't run the aisles, but you can move your feet. I understand there's some things you can't do, but there's some things you can do. I wish somebody right now would just offer God a praise in this house. Come on, I don't think it's bad to be entertained, but we can't lose this thing at the altar of entertainment. We got to have a move of God. We got to have an experience. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. We got to have it. We got to have it. I feel a breakthrough spirit coming in this house. I feel like there's some young people in the Atlantic District. You're going to go beyond. You're not going to die at the altar of the entertainment, but you're going to rise and experience the supernatural. I tell you what the devil may be trying to do during COVID. I'm not saying he caused COVID, but he might be trying to put some people to sleep during COVID. But I refuse to go to sleep. Come on, I refuse to sit down. I'm going to lift my voice. I'm going to lift my voice. I need somebody that might feel a bit radical right now. You just feel like God giving God a radical praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, it's about time we get our shout back. It's about time we get our devotion back. Come on, you can shout at a video game when you win or lose, but you better be able to shout in the house of God. You better be able to shout. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This rich young man in the Bible that we spoke of, similarly, we, 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 we return and we look that somehow he had displaced something. 
somehow he had lost something. He, 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 he was focused somehow on his temporal possessions. We don't know his name, but we do know a lot about his character. He was a man. He was young. He was rich. He was a ruler. And he thought he was spiritual. But I find interesting that Jesus overlooked what every, everybody else was looking at. Listen, what the world thinks is important is not necessarily important to Jesus. He does not give a thumbs up to everything. He does not put a grin on his face and say, that's all right. Because sin is never all right. And some of the things that we're watching being played out in this generation is not all right. And it does not have the thumbs up of Jesus Christ. Jesus does have an opinion. If you don't remember anything that I'm saying tonight, I want you to understand that your Lord, your master, he has an opinion. So much so that he came all the way from heaven to die on a cross because he had an opinion about sin. He understood that sin would condemn a man. He understood that sin would destroy a man. But he came that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Woo! Come on, somebody, you ought to shout about that. You ought to shout about the fact that Jesus came for you. But Jesus didn't overlook it. You're, you're looking at a generation that, that says that, hey, Jesus will overlook it. Oh, no, he won't. He's not going to overlook what's in his word. In fact, this man was a good man that we see. He was a successful man. Everybody would say, wow, I want to be like this guy. But Jesus was not impressed. Jesus is not impressed with what we look like. He is not impressed with our bank accounts. He is not impressed with our careers. But what he is impressed with is a broken heart, a contrite spirit. God will not deny. He'll overlook the person that has it all. A person that maybe has lined everything up in their, in their life perfectly. He'll overlook that person and he'll look into the broken and the contrite. You'll find somebody that maybe doesn't have two pennies in their pocket to rub together, but they have a heart for God. God will raise that person up. God will look into their heart. He'll look into a Mary's heart. He'll look into a Martha's heart. Come on, he'll look into a Lazarus heart. Woo. Come on, I need some help up in here right now. Come on, I need somebody to preach with me. Come on, I need somebody just to say amen to what I'm talking about. It's the truth. It's the truth. I'm burdened today with this message because we have a generation that has settled for average. We cannot settle for average. We cannot settle for average. And we cannot settle for entertainment. We must only settle for the supernatural. We must only settle for signs and wonders. I tell you today, Jesus is unimpressed. Just because he could recite the Ten Commandments, Jesus was still unimpressed. To which he quickly asserted his mastery. I have kept them from my youth up. I'm a spiritual person, Jesus. I'm a spiritual person. I've heard this before. Perhaps sometimes we ought to do the same. We ought to look beyond all our accolades, the plethora of all the things that we can do, all the things that we do. Around the church, I do this and I do that. And maybe we should look at the singular thing that we don't do. Because that's what Jesus did. Jesus said, hey, that, those are a lot of great things. 
But you know what? There's one thing that you're not doing. There's one thing that you, you got to work out is that your money is bigger than your master. Your money can't be bigger than your master. Come on now. Come on. Our money can't be bigger than our master. Our career can't be bigger than our Lord. If God is calling you to do something for God, do not bow in any other circumstance. Do something for God. Perhaps we would do better personally, have stronger youth groups, maybe stronger churches if we were less impressed with ourselves and the abundance of our things. Let me understand. Let me, so let me say this again so you can understand. Jesus was not impressed with what impressed others. Jesus was not impressed with what impressed other people. Scripture remains, does not remain silent on the fact that he was rich and that he was young. It formed the backdrop of the story, and it was perhaps the reason why he made and told the story. Because all the things that he had, they just served as his blind spot. All the things that he had acquired served as a blind spot to him that he had displaced his devotion. Yes, he could, he could keep the Ten Commandments. But he had displaced his devotion because all of his substances and all of his riches got ahead of his devotion. First Timothy 6 and 9 says, But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Imagine, if you will, today, this probable position. If Paul's words to Timothy are true, the rich young man was snared by his certainty. He was snared by the fact that he felt certain about his salvation. He felt certain about his power and his position. He felt certain about his perceived persona. Everybody looks at me. Everybody sees me. He was for certain about some things, his success and his spirituality, so much so that he would speak that to Jesus. But perhaps his certainty was a snare. Perhaps this certainty was the source of his displaced devotion. Perhaps he was so trusting in all the things that he could do that he missed the blind spot of the thing that he was unwilling to do. The Bible concludes on the rich young ruler that he walked away sorrowful because he had great, he had great, Come on, he had great. That's why he was sorrowful, because the Bible says he had great riches. Perhaps he thought that Jesus also would be impressed, and he would be like that plastic Jesus that would throw his thumb up in the air and say, yeah, that's good. Yeah, I approve. I bet you he was not ready. Hear me, young person. I bet he was not ready for this, because that's what Jesus did. Jesus loved him, but Jesus says, hey, I, I, I want to give you the thumbs up. I, I want to give you my, my affirmation, but I can't because on the outside, it looks like everything is right, but there's something ruling and reigning in your heart. Your, your, your devotion is displaced, that dimension of a relationship with me. Do you understand that this man chose riches over relationships? Let me tell you again, this man chose riches over relationship. He could have had something. Who knows what would have happened to this man if he had forsaken that. But in that moment, he chose riches over relationship. Can I challenge you, young people? Never choose money over the master. Never choose riches over relationship. 
Never do it. You'll walk away sorrowful. It may feel good in the moment to have all those things, but you're going to end up empty. You're going to end up being sorrowful like that man because he chose riches over relationship. What about Matthew chapter 3 and 7? Bible says that when, when he saw the man, saw the many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Jesus was unimpressed. Somebody shout unimpressed. What about Matthew 17 and 7? Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. He was dealing with the unbelief of a generation. I want you to understand something today, that we are in this world, but we are not of this world. We better not get too comfortable. We better not cross our feet and fold our hands and say, hey, we're just going to coast until Jesus comes. Uh Uh-uh, honey. I want you to understand Jesus is coming soon. He's not impressed the antics of this generation. Peter wasn't. Acts chapter 2 and, and number 40, it says, with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, save yourselves. Save yourselves from this untoward generation. It's an untoward generation. It's a generation that is not toward God. It's a generation that's not toward God. So what are we going to do about it? We ought to shake ourselves. We ought to decide that we will not lose our devotion. We ought to shake ourselves and say, hey, I don't want to be counted with these. I don't want to be counted with those. I want to be counted with him. You got to understand that there's always the temptation to be counted with your peers, to be counted with your friends, to fit in somehow. But I wish there was a young person in this room that you would just make up your mind. I'm going to stand with him if I have to stand all alone. (laughs) Hallelujah. I'm going to ask our music to come back today. Can I challenge you today that Jesus is not impressed with a, a digital generation, a virtual world. It's all good, and we ought to use it for the kingdom of God. But when the average young adult spends roughly one-third of their total waking hours on their phone, and not even five minutes on their knees, I don't think Jesus is impressed. Come on, let me tell you again. This is not my report. This is, this is research report. This is research. This is truth. This is facts. That the average young adult spends one-third of their total waking hours, five hours roughly, on their phone. Not even five minutes on their knees. I'm talking to you about something that has been displaced or something that has the potential to be displaced. We cannot... Get comfortable when we understand that, that the cell phone is no longer just a device, but for many people it's become their friend. You know what I'm talking about. They spend more time with their phone than they do with their friends. They could be in a room full of people, but they're on their phone. I'm telling you, we're on the risk of something being lost. We're running the risk of displacing something, substitute something pushing something out but the problem with this is is that when we need it the most is it going to be there when you need to pray and you've neglected it so long and you really need to pray what are you going to find in its place your phone isn't going to help you 
Let me be cute. Google isn't going to help you. Come on, somebody. What are you going to have? You better have a friend beside you that knows Jesus. You better have a pastor in your life that knows Jesus. You better have a good church that knows Jesus. You better not displace your devotion. You better not sacrifice it at the altar of entertainment. We can't win our generation, a generation that we're no different from. We can't talk to a generation about devotion when we have none because we can only give away what we have. You can understand that our words are not near as powerful as our actions, that when people see us, they can tell if we're the real thing. When we open our mouth, they can tell if we really love Jesus. They can tell. They can tell by the look in your eyes. Come on, oh yes they can. They're not impressed by all our digital stuff. They're not impressed with our lights. Oh, they wanna know, is there a God that loves me? When I lost my mom, when I lost my dad, when my brother died, when my friend committed suicide, I gotta know something. I gotta know that God is real. I gotta know that there's a God that loves me. I guarantee you, they ain't going to their cell phone. I guarantee you, they're not looking on the screen, on Instagram and social media, at the low of their life. They're looking for hope, and there got to be a generation that has that hope. There has to be a generation that has the hope. There has to be a generation that has not displaced their devotion. Some of you are looking at me real funny right now, but you ought to get your eyes off me and you ought to get your eyes on Jesus Christ because he's the real hope and he's the real answer. What I hear is what I hoped would happen in this room. Come on, I'm going to tell you, God's going to trade you tonight. God's going to give you something better. He's going to give you a better return. Instead of waking up tired every day from spending all those hours on social media, you're going to wake up with a joy in your soul. Oh, hallelujah. You're going to wake up with a fire in your spirit. You're going to go back to church. You're going to set your youth group on fire. You're going to set your church on fire because you found your devotion. I tell you why we're not stirred because there's no stirring in our in our life and there's no stirring in our devotion and therefore it takes a man of God to get up and to shout and to scream and to kick and to stomp their feet to get us to respond because we've been entertained too long we've been entertained too long Come on, somebody. We've been entertained too long. Come on. There's a temptation of this generation. Come on. You don't know what you're missing. You don't know what you're missing. You know all those hours. Let's let me go there. You know all those hours you spent on your phone when God was calling. You felt lonely, so you you had no friends around, so you're going to social media. Do you know all that was? It was God calling for you because he was lonely. Where you turned off the call of the Spirit, God was messaging you, 
but you thought your friend was messaging you and you, you responded to the wrong person when you should have turned them off and turned him on. You turned him off and turned them on. We got it all backwards. We got to get a hold of God. We got to get a hold of God. Come on, I believe right now that God is going to resurrect a generation. And I'll tell you what I felt when the Holy Ghost, when I came in this room. I feel like God has a wave of revival that will sweep the churches and the, and the youth groups of the Atlantic District. It's going to happen. God is going to send the fire. God is going to send the Spirit. It's going to happen. I thank God for raising money for SFC, Brother Matt. I thank God for that. That's incredible. That shows us where our heart is. But God doesn't just want our money. God wants our devotion. God did not care about the rich young ruler's money. He wanted his heart. Come on, somebody. You're making me work tonight. I just need somebody that will hook in the spirit. I need somebody that will make up their mind. Come on, I'm not going to displace my devotion. I don't want to be cliche, but we got so much FaceTime and so much screen time that we got none of this time. I don't see anybody posting any of those on social media. I don't see any of those posts going on social media. You know why? Because it's not pretty. It's not likable. It's not going to get you a lot of likes, but it'll win you a lot of likes with heaven. If you'll spend time on your knees before God, you'll get the intention of heaven. I don't think Jesus is impressed with this generation. And the average person checks their phone 85 times a day. Forbes in 2019 reported the average gamer spends seven hours a week playing video games. Many play much more than that. The 26 to 35 year old demographic, even more dramatic. This group is playing more than eight hours a week which is an increase of 25% from 2018. We don't need any more evidence. But imagine what would happen if we treated our Bible like we treated our phone. What if we carried it around in our purses and our pockets again? Just saying. <laughs> you think I'm joking. I think somebody ought to go to school with their Bible. Come on, is there anybody not ashamed of the gospel of Christ? It might be that somebody might get saved. It might be that somebody might get curious if you start pulling out your Bible instead of pulling out your phone. What if we turn back when we forgot it? Like we do our phones. Oh. What if somehow, instead of flipping through our phones several times a day, we flip through the scripture several times a day? What if we use it to receive messages from God instead of messages from our friend? What if we treated it like we couldn't live without it? We couldn't go to bed without it. We couldn't get up in the morning without it. We couldn't check it at lunch. Oh, hallelujah. 
Come on, somebody. Come on. This is a tragedy in our generation. It's a lost dimension. It's a displaced dimension. we got to get back to the dimension of the spiritual where God can speak to us. What if the Bible became a gift we gave to our kids when they went to school? What if we used it as we traveled and checked it in the airport? What if we used it in case of emergencies to call a friend that can really help us? What if we upgraded every time with the latest version? Get an update from God. What does God say? Come on, I, 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 I just feel like the Lord is moving here. I wish you could just take a moment and respond. I, I got a few more things I got to get out of my spirit. But I wonder if you could just offer up a, a worship to the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. Pastor Matt, if you have that plastic, I want you to grab it. If you can, you and Alex, you can grab that for me. When I was in high school, God saved me at 16 years old and began to serve God. And I said, God, I'm just going to live for you. Pulled my Bible out, read it at school. And I know eyes were on me. I took my Bible out of my bag when I went on the bus because I, I, somehow, I somehow just wanted to be a witness. I got to understand that I, I lived so counter the other way that I determined, you know, I don't care what anybody thinks about me. I prayed prayers and said, God, if I stand all alone in my high school, that's okay. I'm going to stand before you. I'm not going to deny you. I'm not going to deny you, God. It don't matter what anybody else thinks, God. I'm going to stand before you. Because, God, I want your favor. I want your approval. Listen, listen, listen. My mom and dad didn't go to church. Nobody in my family was going to church at the time. But I made up my mind I'm going to serve God. I made up my mind this is where I'm going to live my life. I just made up my mind. I'm not ashamed of this. And I'm going to tell you today. We cannot blend in at the darkest hour. When the world leads the light, Jesus' name, if you could just string that, it'd be okay. You and Alex just pull one in and string it across the front of this building. Now I want you just to turn it, the plane facing the congregation. But I made up my mind, I'm just going to serve you, God. I'm going to give everything to you. I want to know you for myself. Say, oh, that's, all, that's awfully intense, Pastor Justin. That's pretty serious. Our young people can't handle that. That's the problem. We're so used to plastic that we don't know what the real thing is anymore. Yeah, that's true. I said it. It's true. It's true. It's true. We can have revival. You know what the alternative is? We're just going to be buried into oblivion. Our church is going to die. Our youth group's going to die. People are going to walk away from God unless somebody gets a fire, unless somebody gets a hold of a devotion. 
Come on, somebody. Come on, I believe it. I believe it. I don't think that's going to happen. I believe there's a generation here that you're going to be salt and light. I believe you can have fun. And I believe you can have a good time. Because I believe holy people are happy people. But the problem is, is we're not happy because we're not being holy. We're trying to be like the world too much. And we lost our happiness because we lost our holiness. And we need to get back to holiness if we're going to be a happy people. Come on, we ought to shine as a light in a dark world. But in my high school, I found I never knew this. This is a very influential guy who's on the basketball team. He, this is probably about maybe 10 to 15 years later, Chanel. He got a hold of me online, messaged me. He was out west, and he said, Justin, I never told you this. But he said, all through high school, he said, I was watching you. I was watching you. And, and you know, as of late, I've been going through some depression in my life. As of late, I've just been kind of feeling some bad things in my life. And he said, your face kept popping to my mind because I remembered that you lived for God in high school and you weren't afraid to live for God. I was shocked, I can tell you that. I wish during that time when I was bringing my Bible to school that I had heard that affirmation. But I didn't need the affirmation because I already had the affirmation. But there was somebody that was watching. Years later, he gave his heart to God in the best way that he know how. He flew back out east and spent time with me. We spent a whole weekend together. He came to our church and he said, Justin, I was watching. I want you to know there's people watching you. You can live for God. Don't you dare be ashamed because people are watching your life. I'm trying to call the generation of apostolics in the Atlantic District that you will stand up for your generation. You will stand up for the generation to come. You will stand up for the young teenager that's in your youth group. You'll stand up for the one that hasn't made it to the youth group yet. You'll be an example. I know there's people all around that they're forfeiting the call. I know there's people all around they're trading the truth for a lie, but not us. We're not going to go backward. As for me and my house, Come on, is there any young people in here like that? That's for me and my house. I'll tell you what. The, the dimension I'm talking about today is very much like this piece of plastic. When I pull this tight, if, it, if, it, if the environment was right, if it was bright enough in here, it'd be very hard. There'd be no glistening light off this. It'd be very hard to see that this is even present. very hard to discern it and that's very much like the spiritual realm is that that it's present it's accessible it hasn't gone anywhere what our elders have experienced come on somebody the prayer meetings that we heard about the healings that we heard about they haven't gone anywhere they're here but the epidemic of the age is not the pandemic the epidemic is a displaced dimension that we have forfeited the supernatural for these natural virtual experiences we have so much time with the screen that we have no time for the supernatural i'm going to tell you what's going to happen just like this plastic it's a very thin vapor just a small vapor but we can reach in to the other side and we can pull some things that are in the spirit some things that are in the heavenlies and we can begin to pull them into the natural for our generation come on 
I I can get a hold of God and get in God's presence and I can start to reach out and I can start to pull in to the natural what God has waiting for us in the spiritual but we got to seek after him we got to feel after him hallelujah Albert Einstein while he was in university while he was studying at Princeton Someone asked the question, what is there left in the world for for original dissertation and research? Albert Einstein said this, find out about prayer. Somebody must find out about prayer. Somebody must dust off the surface of that altar. and say, I want to know the God that my elders knew. God, I want to have those kind of prayer meetings. I want to push away from the screen and the digital experience and I want to uncover this altar and I want to find out about prayer. I preached this at the chapel today. we got a lot of young people that know how to walk and pray, but we don't have many young people that know how to kneel and pray. I thank God for walking and praying, but I don't just want to walk and pray. I want to kneel and pray. I know what it is. I want to know what it is to get down until tears flood my eyes, until the holy devotion comes over to overside of me. Come on, then we'd see breakthrough in our family. We'd see breakthrough in our friends. We'd see breakthrough in our youth groups. I'll tell you, heaven will come down. We will pull things into the natural. Hallelujah. In your youth group right now, because we can't come to the altar today, but in your youth group, in your bubble, could you connect with somebody? Can you just begin to ask God that he would help you to reach into the supernatural, rediscover a dimension that's available, that's accessible for every one of us. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I feel it. I feel it rising. I feel it rising. I feel it rising. I feel it rising. I feel it rising.